You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. Today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Melissa Grace in mid-March 2020. I loved talking with her, and I think you're going to really enjoy the example dreams that we each share and how we talk about dreams as a reliable way to tap into the larger knowing, as Melissa called it, the larger knowing that we each carry within ourselves. And also, we both talk about some surprising experiences we've had when sinking into a dream image, the surprising gift that a dream can have to offer you that isn't obvious from the beginning. Before we jump into this, I want to let you all know that the Dreamers Den membership community is now open, so please visit thedreamersden.org and consider joining as a member. And now let's jump into my conversation with Melissa. My guest today is Melissa Grace. Melissa is a clairaudient, Jungian-oriented dream worker and intuitive reader. She's been in practice since 2007. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you very much, Leilani. It's very wonderful to be here. Well, let's dive in. I would love to ask you first um, when and how you realized that dreams were important to you. You know, well, I was um, thinking about this, and you know, my first answer to that question is um, when I was in my early 30s, when I was 31, which is almost 20 years ago now, when I first entered into a union-oriented therapist's office, and she told me to bring a dream, and I had had this dream about a tree. And at the time I was going through a a fair amount of emotional instability. And she just very simply asked me to imagine the tree um, in my body. And I felt this sense of stability just flood through me um, that I was not expecting. I just felt calm. Um, And that blew me away. Uh Because at the time, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of control over the the degree of anxiety I was feeling. So that that was a, you know, one of my, you know, probably the first um, concrete experience of dream work. But much, much earlier in my childhood, um, when I was 11 years old, and I was in the sixth grade and I had been selected as the sixth grade valedictorian wow. and I was very nervous about it and I had to give a speech and um, I, I can't remember if I asked, I was a pretty spiritual kid, but 
I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I'd had this extraordinary image. I woke up with this, I had this extraordinary dream about um, walking up this mountain and going through all these different seasons and terrains. We walk up to this mountain and um, reaching its, you know, its peak and having succeeded. And I wrote my, my sixth grade graduation speech from that dream. And no one believed that I wrote it myself, <laughs> oh. but it, but it was the big, it was one of the first ways that I tapped into the dreamscape as a way of, you know, that informed my world. So those two instances are, um, are kind of like the basis of how I began to inhabit the dream world. <laughs> so. That is so um, interesting that people didn't think you had written it yourself. I, I wonder, do you, do you have any feeling, and this is a bigger question about dreams too, that that, that that dream and that prompting for your speech came from uh, greater than or outside of, or some deeper part of you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, absolutely. I think, I think that it was in, a very early experience of my psychic connection to my deeper self. And I, and I think that's probably one of the things that I most excites me about dream work is that it provides an opportunity for um, a completely reliable way to tap into one's deeper psychic self a larger knowing that we all carry within us that doesn't require an intermediary or um, really any belief in some, you know, in some way of, of a higher being. <laughs> um, we have inner divinity. We have an inner, inner psychic knowing that dreams allow us to access. And I think that experience was one of my first um, experiences of accessing it. Yes. Yeah. So I, I share that feeling. You said reliable, you know, and I yeah. feel, I feel like dreams are one of my most reliable ways to have the sense that I'm connected to what really matters, first of all, mm -hmm. and insights and clarity that, that I can trust. Mm -hmm. um, however, sometimes it's difficult to get to that moment of clarity and that sense of completion. Okay. Yes. Now I've gotten the message from this dream. That's true. Do you have any, um, any thoughts about that? Or maybe you can use an example dream of yours or someone else's that you have permission to share of kind of what that's like to go from the process of, wow, this mysterious dream just came to me. I'm sure it's important, but I don't mm -hmm. know what it's about. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I think, I think I've had many, so many experiences of that, of a, of a dream coming to me and not know, having any idea what it was about. And then, and then um, getting insight, you know, the dream that comes to mind when you ask me that question is a dream that I, I, I'm, I had myself uh -huh. um, some time ago, probably again around in my mid thirties. And um. It, there's just one image of the dream that that is that is coming to me of well there 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 was a sunset in the stream that was particularly intense and amazing and but it 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 
it didn't necessarily say to me, oh, I must be analyzed. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, oh, it was just a dream of a sunset and it was nice, you know, and everything. And um and I took this, I took this dream into therapy and I I went deeply into it. I mean, I just kind of sat with it. And I allowed my intuitive awareness to interact with this dream. And just sitting with this sunset, with this particular dream, I spontaneously entered this state of non-duality. It was so unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> Where I just, it was like entering into the mystery itself. And it felt as if I was experiencing this state that all of my spiritual teachers had told me about. And it was so completely unassuming, this image of a sunset. Yeah. But when I, when I asked for it to, to interact with me and, you know, in an intuitive awareness, it came into, and in the presence of somebody who was willing to hold space for me, which I think was also very important. Um, the presence of someone who was asking that with me, that what this image had to offer me would, would come forth. Um, so, I mean, it was quite mind blowing, Yeah. but that, you know, that's just one example. Then there was, I mean, there's been times for instance, where, um, I've, this was also a very early dream I had in my early twenties. Um, actually it's coming <clears throat> and I was, I was seeing a therapist who was not union oriented. Um, and it was about, um, a friend I had who, um, who was coming out as gay and I had had a, I had a crush on him and it wasn't allowed, you know, I, and I had this weird dream where there was this person who was um, really angry at him in the dream and yelling at him. And then there was a police officer that officer who came and batted the angry person over the head and said, you know, and punished them for being angry. And um, again, I had absolutely no idea what that dream meant at all. But then I went into my therapist's office and discussed it. And I realized from working on the dream that I was angry at my friend for, some, for, for no longer being available to me because uh -huh. he was not heterosexual. And I wasn't allowing myself to have that feeling but then when I was able to just to say, okay, I actually do, I have that feeling. And then it was okay. Then I was like, all right, it, it all came out in a safe space. And I didn't have to even mention it to my friend or talk about it. I was able to contain the experience and um, transform it so that I no longer felt that anger because I processed it and was able to move on into just being friends with my friend. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, yeah. Wow, those are two both such gorgeous examples of the kinds of things that can happen with dreams, I feel mm -hmm. like. I mean, the mm -hmm. the second one in my experience with my own dreams and others is more more common, you know, kind mm -hmm. of recognizing a part of ourselves that is being ignored a little bit or actively silenced or mm -hmm. needs needs to be recognized. And then the first one of this incredibly transcendent experience that was available to you uh, within your dream. Yes. 
I've had an experience similar to that sunset one just recently. And Mm. in brief, within the dream, I'm moving too fast down a freeway. This is a common theme for me, moving too fast Mm -hmm. in a dream. And this very gentle arm reaches out and stops me. And I get off this motorcycle that I'm on. And I realize that if she hadn't, I would have hit a young man who had crashed ahead of me. Mm. The dream goes on. But as I was describing that to my friend who I sometimes we work dreams together, I told her about this book that I wanted to give another character in the dream called Wild Mercy. And she said to me, it looks like you really like saying that Wild Mercy. I said, I do. I love that title. I love that idea. And we didn't have very much time to work this dream. So she's just sort of invited me to go into the feeling of saying Wild Mercy. And immediately I felt that that soft arm that had reached across me was an angel. And that's not really Mm -hmm. a word or a type of being that I have uh, much put much attention toward or felt like I was interacting with, but I just felt she was an angel. And I experienced this transcendent feeling and maybe not like what you were talking about with the sunset, but I kind of recognized it was the spontaneity of it and being in this spiritual experience, I felt this combination of that gentle, angelic, wild mercy and a complimentary anchoring of the deepest, truest kind of kindness. Mm. And all of a sudden I was just wrapped in it and had the feeling that I could live from this place of kindness and mercy. It took me completely by surprise. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And it is, and that is also a totally wonderful example of how just sticking with, you know, just, it was all, it was just one thing. It was yeah, essentially yeah. a very simple experience in some ways, but so profound yep. to just have a one phrase that you stuck with, that you just allowed to sit with, you know, allowed yourself to sit with and, um, and what came of it was such an experience of something so beautiful. Such an experience, you know, yeah. and, then, and then we can carry those with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and especially now in these times, we really need them. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We really need to have those experiences of the transcendent or the divine that stay with us and that are uniquely ours and reliably ours. Yeah. 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 So you said, you know, especially in these times, and I'm curious if in your work with people lately, well, just Mm -hmm. in a general sense lately, you know, have you felt like people are getting help, I guess, help or support or clarity about living in these times through their dreams? Oh, definitely. Definitely people are coming to dream circles and individual sessions with dreams that are kind of reflecting the collective instability, the, the threats that are coming toward us. And in working with the images that are coming to them, um, they're finding there. I think what's happening is that people are figuring out what is them and what is the world around them. Um, what is, how, what can they do for themselves personally? And what do they need to let go of? What is not within their control? That I think a lot of times, like what is happening now, 
there's so much chaos in the in the outer world and with um, Facebook and, and all kinds of um, digital media um, throwing a lot of information at us all the time that makes us afraid that people's underlying you know people's uh, trauma their their childhood trauma the trauma the things that they've experienced in their lives that are traumatic are being triggered and so i what i see happening in people's dreams as is that it's almost there's an opportunity to deal with the personal trauma the personal upsets and also to separate what is personal from what is what is global so and i mean because i mean i think a lot of people who come to see me are more empathic or intuitively sensitive and are more liable to be taking on the you know the great fear that is going on in the world right now um and in need of finding their own inner calm. So yes, definitely we're working with people's images. And the other thing that seems to be happening too is that there, there seem to be some very beautiful things that are happening in people's dreams um, where they're finding their own light, their own inner reserves. And and I don't, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily so unusual because I, I think in my own life during times of great chaos and um, instability, I've had what I call our safe haven dreams where there are, I, I, I'm brought to a place of inner calm, even when outside of me, there's, you know, in my waking world, there are things going on there I find very upsetting. And I, I feel like that's happening um, in my clients as well, that they're having, but it's, it's different. They're not just having like safe haven dreams. They're having dreams of resolution where traumatic elements that are being stimulated by out, outer events are, they're finding their way through the difficult feelings in their dreams. So. Wow. How beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it is. It really, it is amazing. Yeah. I I have not asked for permission. Uh, otherwise, I would share with you the specific dreams I'm thinking of. But there there are these running themes of light, you know, light coming in and being drawn toward the light, and find and and walking on the earth with like bare feet and finding grounding. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that that is. I find that very up, uplifting. Yeah. And heartening. And I think that my clients find that it's the same for them that they once they've worked their dream, um, even with dreams that seem kind of scary, that when they when they really are confronting the, diff, you know, really working with the elements of the dream and realizing, oh, you know, I have the tools within me to face the big scary monster or the rocky waves or the approaching car or whatever it is that when I sit and really engage with this threatening image, um, I think, oh, you know, yes, I was, I was scared of, you know, it reminds me of when a child, when I was a child and I was afraid of this particular family member who I 
felt was always angry at me. And I realize right now I don't, I can find my feet on the ground and I can talk to, you know, I can, I don't have to be afraid anymore. Like things like that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And as a, a pretty intuitive and empathic person yourself, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious whether when you go through something like that with someone else's dream, which mm-hmm. of course, when we're working someone else's dream, we're, we're doing our best to um, imagine it, imagine what the mm-hmm. dream looked like and felt like. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel sometimes nourished or healed or given some kind of resource from, from walking through that experience with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, oh, you know, it, it frequently blows my mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> People's images that come to them in their dreams blow my mind. And, yeah. and also, it, you know, when somebody has a transcendent dream where they're encountering a, a transcendent figure, which has happened quite frequently lately, it, it takes me to that place. Yeah. Um, or if somebody is, I'm, I'm helping someone experience, you know, uh, the, the ground that they're walking on, for instance, or the, the, the concrete wall that they're, they're pushing up against or whatever it is. I'm, I'm experiencing all those things myself. And yes, it, it can be really, um, it, it does feed me. Yeah. Uh, even though I don't talk about my own, I don't, my own experiences in a personal way or because I'm holding space for the other person, you know, after the session is over, it definitely has its effect on me. Sure. Yeah, me too. I think that's a powerful thing about sharing dreams. Mm-hmm. And we do have to be mindful about it if we're holding space for someone else. But mm-hmm. it seems to me maybe part of the nature of dream work that we, sh- oh, that we yeah. experience these things together. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that it's, it is, I think that's a wonderful point that, you know, that there is anima mundi, you know, the soul of the world that we are part of a collective soul and that dream work is one of those very healing ways that we tap into that soul together. Um, I mean, there are archetypal energies for a reason that we have universal feelings and universal needs that we all carry. And we tap into those experiences of, um, the universal desire to transcend, um, to feel lovable. To I mean, there's so many experiences to be mothered, to be fathered. And, and when we do dream work together, we have the opportunity to tap into those experiences through each other. Uh-huh. And I do think it is, it can be a really empowering and healing experience. Yes. So I'd, I'd love your take then on kind of all the layers of meaning in our dreams and how they, they can be so personally psychological or mm-hmm. personally physical too. our physical health. Um, they can be about our relationships. And I feel that more than we often talk about, they can be about collective issues, ecological mm-hmm. issues and I think in general, and this is that this is very important, but in general, in dream work in Western culture, there's been this big emphasis on owning up to the personal psychological aspect of a dream and yeah. 
and it's so important not to think, well, this dream was about, you know, this mean police officer who bopped somebody on the head and that's not me, right? To, to experience that aspect of the self is key and mm-hmm. enlightening. And yet also, I'm curious about how we can make more room for what insights and guidance our dreams might have for us about some of our, you know, larger scale, multi-human, multi-being issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yes. what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, absolutely. I mean, okay. Let us say that, I mean, we could talk about many different things. We could talk about you know, the dream that you shared with me before we started recording, or we could, we could talk about the coronavirus as a waking dream. Yeah. (laughs) For all of us. I can, I can share that dream on, on the record here and then we can talk about it. Why don't we, why don't we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So this morning we're, we're recording this on, on March 13th, 2020. So the coronavirus in the U S is ramping up. And this morning I woke from a dream in which I'm on a ship. I've been sailing on a ship for some time and there are many people on the ship with me, some family, some more distantly related family, friends, and then people who are maybe in my larger local community, but some that I don't know. And there's a conversation in one space of the ship about a dance class that the kids just went to and maybe it wasn't a good idea because they had physical contact and they could have passed the virus to each other. And then I'm walking on a lower level of the ship where we can see a wall and uh, some windows above. I'm aware that we've been through a storm and that the storm was very intense and everyone was running around, pulling on ropes, closing shutters and doing everything we could to survive this storm. So I'm walking along, touching the windows and a woman behind me says, well, maybe we can handle the next storm better now that we've been through one and we know what to do. And with a very calm certainty, I tell her, no, if another storm like that comes, it will sink this ship. We're already damaged. Even a smaller storm could take us down in this condition. If another storm is coming, we need to find land. And that's the end of the dream. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that dream, as we were discussing earlier, is is very much... It, it definitely has both personal and collective implications. And, you know, as you were saying, that, that that dream helped you to make personal decisions about how you're walking in the world right now, whether, you know... Um, yeah, to stay home, basically. To yeah, to, yeah, to stay home, to take, yeah, mm-hmm, to take precautions. And for you, that's what land is. Mm-hmm. But you're also, the dream is, you know, as a, the distant family is like our world. <laughs> like yeah. we're all connected in this. I mean, this is true. It's truly a global crisis and we're all on the same ship. We're all on the same boat, basically. And we're in different countries, you know, are, have, um, they're weathering the storm, but the dream could be saying, you know, we we can't assume we can't assume that we can just keep going the way that we're going yeah that i mean there's a lot of things going on where for instance there aren't enough tests 
for a while and we we had a government that wasn't even acknowledging that this was an issue that it was an emergency so that that it's if you know the dream may be saying well, if we keep going that way as a collective we're not going to make it we have to find our land mm-hmm. and our land is you found your personal land what is our collective land what are public policies that would be our grounding through this how are we going to as as people you know as a society manage this threat on many levels like physically and and emotionally and spiritually so i mean i was sharing with you that uh, your dream brought up to me when i was going through a life-threatening illness several years ago that i had to dream about um that there was an image of concrete of landing on concrete and i realized that that um that that was for me about really needing to embody um my you know to feel embodied enough to feel grounded enough to make concrete decisions about how i went forward with my health choices mm-hmm. and i think you know as a collective this dream maybe saying that we need to find our concrete ground we need to find land you know our to go through this with relative safety if that's possible yeah and as you're talking i'm i'm my attention is drawn back to the character who says well maybe we can weather the next one better cuz now we've we've been through it mm-hmm. and that that would be an illusion that we're we're stronger because exactly. we've been through some of it. We, we're actually mm-hmm. more vulnerable. Like it's taken, it's taken something out of us. Exactly. <laughs> and we need to reassess and maybe change vessels, maybe get off the vessel altogether and uh, mm-hmm. find yeah. a different, a different way. Yeah. And what that means, you know, what that means on a collective level is a, is a collective conversation, you know, yeah. like, what does it mean? Like, obviously what's been going on in the, on a global level, it's not working. I mean, other countries have been brought to their knees. Yeah. Lily has been brought to its knees by this. So how do we, how do we go from there? And I mean, and I'm not pretending to know, but I'm saying, I'm saying that your question, your, your dream, I feel on a, you know, on a collective level, maybe asking that question. I think so too. And and it's, and it's an open question, you know, within the dream and I hope within our, our waking larger world, there is a sense that we need to find land and that it's possible to find land, but mm-hmm. it's not in sight yet. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that land is or, or how exactly and we steer I, ourselves I think, there. I think really, honestly, I don't think a lot of our, 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 the people who are in power from medical officials to government officials and no, because this is some, this is, there are so many unknowns. None of, no one has faced this before, yep. Yep. you know? no one has faced this virus before and we don't we don't know what to do so um yeah the i think the dream is reflecting that that feeling you know that not knowing but also i think it's interesting that you feel a sense of calmness about mm-hmm. knowing that you need to find land and for you personally, it's you know it sounds like from what you were saying before that you found what would help you feel calm. Um, yeah, at least person. right. Yeah. That's right. Like at least for today, I knew what yeah, to yeah. what to do. Yep. Yeah. Yes. 
that I mean, I, I was reflecting on this. I, I was going through some of my old blogs, um, just looking at them in preparation for the interview. And I came across an old review I did of Marion Woodman's um, Dancing in the Flames, mm. um, which is a documentary about her. And, um, and she talks a lot, she talks about in that, in that film about the earth making us face the body, making us face the, the physical plane or the, that the state of, that the conscious feminine is, is asking to be seen, is asking to be embraced, understood, um, um, demanding really. And that that is re reflected in the state of our earth, um, which has only gotten worse since that film was made, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, this, this, this illness is again, a state of, you know, is something that's calling out to us as a society um, that our embodied soul that are that the soul of our world is asking is saying we need to we need to be embodied um that we can't live in kind of these inflated ideas of how we would like life on earth to be we have to come down to our bodies and experience what really what do we really need um and i mean and i relate to that to my own experience with a life-threatening illness where I had to, I was confronted that my illness made me experience my humanity at an even deeper level because, and, and, and come into my body at an even deeper level um, that I couldn't just be, you know, my idea of who I wanted to be, that I had to confront who I truly was in my, in my humanity and in myself. And I, and I feel like, that as a world we're we're being called to do that to um who are we as mm -hmm. as humans in bodies who have real physical and emotional needs and that we're all being confronted with that there's no escape you know there's no escape that um, yeah right no one no one gets out of this world alive right yes <laughs> exactly this, this uh yeah, and our bodies and our our earth. I mean, when we when we really sink into the reality of our physical needs, mm -hmm. things that are happening on the earth that impact whether or not we can grow food, mm -hmm. um, or something like an illness or a big storm, you know, mm -hmm. that is the reality of our existence here. And yes, we can't yeah. we can't think our way into safety when we're no. talking about the phys physical existence. Yeah, ex ex exactly. And I think, you know, so much of how we live um, and the desire for more pleasures and um, more material comforts as a way of escaping. We just, we, we want to be immortal. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, we're afraid of dying. We're afraid that we don't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, that we're afraid of not existing. And Hmm. And there's nothing like a physical illness to make you face the fact that we all, you know, we all are going to die. Yeah. And how do we choose to live really, no, really being conscious of that? Mm -hmm. So, and 
and I think our um, and dreams are part of what shows us what is of us that show us the life of the soul and what the soul wants to have in a body as opposed to what our egos want want to have in a body mm. <laughs> is under if that is something that makes sense that <laughs> does make sense it makes yeah. sense and it's so important mm-hmm. yeah so uh before we wrap up i wonder mm-hmm. if you have you know we've talked about exam our own personal examples and then these bigger ideas about how powerful it can be to engage with our dreams and if we have some folks listening right now who haven't yet engaged with their dreams, but they're getting really curious about it, mm-hmm. do you have any kind of guidance or a practice to suggest for someone newly engaging with their dreams? Well, absolutely. Well, I mean, we all have, I, I think of dreams as fundamentally for me anyway, an intuitive process a pro, um, that working with dreams is about working with your imagination. And everyone has a different way of working with their imagination or um, tapping into their inner selves, whether it's like through writing or through art or through physical movement. And um, I think a favorite thing for me is to, when you have a dream, to take the most the, the, the image that has the most impact, the thing that draws your attention the, to the most. And what is the first thing that comes into your mind when you ponder that image? Whether, you know, what comes into your mind? Is it a, a person in your life? Is it a situation in your life? Is it actual words? And to take that as one clue. And then of about where you you know and where you need to go with the dream i think something else i really love to do is to talk to the images talk to the dreams even the inanimate objects or an environment and have a conversation in your mind's eye and see what the images have to say to you um I think also you know drawing your dreams or dancing you know dancing an image just letting an image speak to you through your physical body are all really powerful ways of, of doing dream work that don't require um, having read a bit of Jung uh-huh. <laughs> or yeah. knowing anything. It's, it's just essentially it's about tapping into your imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so I don't have a, so th- I, I don't have a specific practice. Yeah. But, but all of those, all of those would be ways to, engage with a dream and just, you know, honor it enough to be in conversation with it. And yes. Yeah. Like you say, without maybe any intellectual knowledge about it, but this can be mm-hmm. simply a conversation between ourselves and our dreams, yes. which are also ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes, actually. Yeah. I mean, and there are also some ways that you can honor your dream and see if it, you know, without necessarily having to, um, analyze it that can affect your life. You know, I think one time I had a dream about a red fuzzy sweater. So I went out and I went to the thrift store and I found a red fuzzy sweater 
Uh And I, you know, and I just, you know, I was like, how do I feel in this red fuzzy sweater? How do I feel about the red fuzzy sweater? Well, I love the red fuzzy Uh sweater. (laughs) And I love how comforting it is and how soothing it is. And, um, and it, and it's this bright color that is cheery and uplifts me. And those are all qualities that I needed right then. Uh Um, And that wasn't, you know, that was a way of working with my dream without, without actually analyzing it. Yeah. And I, I love the feeling too of taking some kind of action in the day that feels connected to a dream because there's, Mm there's just the sense for me that there's more significance and meaning and that it's anchored into something, something important when it's connected to a dream. Yes. Yeah. That, well, by honoring the dream, you're, you're inviting um, that importance. You're acknowledging that the dream has something to tell you that is important and you want to hear it. Yeah. You you want, you want to receive it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Melissa. This has been a really enjoyable conversation. It's been helpful for me personally. I hope all of our listeners have gotten something out of it too. If anyone wants to learn more about your work or get in touch with you, potentially work with you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on my website, which is the night is as in Carl Young. Um, or they also, I have a very active Facebook page, which is the night is young. And on Instagram, um, I'm the night is young dream guide. So any of those ways, or you can call me at 415-446-9590. I love doing work over, um, zoom or skype phone and private sessions all right wonderful i'm going to link to all of those in the show notes for this episode so people can get to you right from there great thank you so much leilani oh thank you again thank you for listening to my conversation with melissa i'd love to hear what this episode sparked for you any aha moments you had while i was talking with her dreams of your own that came to mind or any questions or comments you've got. Come visit our free group, The Dreamer's Den, on Facebook and post about this episode or reach out to me through thedreamersden.org. Come back for the next episode. It's going to be a conversation I had with Will Sharon, a dream worker and a life coach. He has this combination of groundedness, education, experience, and care for people that I really appreciate. Thanks again for listening today. If this kind of conversation feeds you too, I'd love to hang out with you online. Consider supporting this podcast, deepening your own dream work, and connecting with a dreaming community by becoming a member of the Dreamer's Den. You can choose your monthly contribution on a sliding scale between three and 24 US dollars per month, according to what works for you. This is a time of financial change and uncertainty for many of us, and I want to make it as easy as I can for us to come together in community over dreams, one aspect of our lives that can give us clarity, connection, and a sense of guidance. When you join the Dreamer's Den, you'll get four things. One, a members-only forum that's open every day for sharing dreams and working them together in writing. 
I imagine not everybody in your life wants to hear your dreams, but everyone in this group does care about their dreams, and they believe your dreams are interesting and important. Two, you'll get a prompt or invitation from me every month, a new way to engage with your dreams and with the group, which you can play with all month or at whatever moment it feels right to you. Three, you'll have a members-only price for one-on-one dream work with me. We can meet by phone or video call. And four, whenever I host a live online event, you will get 50% off the ticket price. In 2020, I'm planning some live dream group calls and live workshops on dreams and creativity, active imagination, and dreams and physical healing. Some of those I will lead and some will be led by guest teachers. I think you're going to love those. So again, the contribution that works for you between three and 24 US dollars per month. If you're loving what we talk about in this podcast, I'm sure you'd value membership in The Dreamer's Den. And I'd value you. Your perspective in your voice would add to the conversation in a way that only you can. Please visit thedreamersden.org and consider becoming a member. Until next time, wishing you deep dreams.